take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 17 of the Life in Red podcast, and with me, my long lost friend, Riley Craig. What is up, sir? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm going to need some energy out of here. <laughs> All right. I'll try yeah, there you go. That, that nice Sorry. smile you have. Uh, I need that to shine through for All everybody right. listening right now. You guys want to hear me smile. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear. It's an old radio trick, but they say you got to smile. Uh, you can. Like you'll see people in the booth and they'll just be like, this, they're like, da 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 da, like this huge smile on their face because that's what they want on the radio. All right. I'll do my best. So there you go. There you go. Um, you, as you described it to me, are professional student yeah kind of um i mean i'm going on my uh this will be my seventh full year and uh so kind of seven and a half years of uh post-secondary education i think the craziest thing that i look back on is we've almost been out of high school for 10 years yeah so a majority of that you've still been in school yeah that's correct um I get told that I'm old a lot <laughs> are you with a lot of younger people yeah so when i did my my undergrad um i started when i was i think 23 three so everyone was 18 19 years old and i was 23 so i was already mm. four or five years older than everybody so you're like the dad yeah giving them all life advice and like coaching them through yeah tough breakups and yeah all that stuff exactly yeah. taking them out for their first beer like their dad <laughs> yep um so you are a master's of science in kinesiology with a specialization in Biomechanics, yeah. Uh, so biomechanics or ergonomics. I was going to say, I have no clue what that means. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't, and the definition is kind of long, and I don't really know it off by heart. But um, for the most part, it's just uh, the study of how people move. Um, I mean, and then there's math involved there. You're studying forces and uh, vectors and stuff like that. So if you took calculus in high school, you kind of get it. It's All like right. It's like physics, but towards the human body. I'm pretty sure that most people who listen are like me and don't understand math. Yeah. So let's try to break this down so people understand. So you said it's the study of how people move? Yeah. In I, a way? In a way. In a way. So in um, in my specialization, so, my, so when you go into your master's, you usually find a supervisor. So my supervisor... Um, he mostly specializes in hand and wrist stuff. He did a lot of his uh, his research on carpal tunnel. Oh, okay. So it's it's math, but it's not right. So, like, what are you trying to use math to, <laughs> in general, trying to understand about a wrist, the uh, circumference? That, that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it like physics for the human body? Yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff with carpal tunnel would be focused on um, the tendons in there. So there's. Uh, subsynovial connective tissue and then there's a tendon as well and then they focus on friction and then like velocity of the tendon and what does that like hopefully accomplish uh right now i don't think that they've found anything out but i, okay. I, I imagine they're trying to cure it okay so basically by studying all these things you're looking at curing or correcting or coming up with a treatment that better suits whatever the ailment or the whatever's going on with somebody's body. Yeah, or at least trying to understand um, how it happens. So outside of, like, the wrist, like, do you pretty much, does it, like, so your supervisor, he specializes in the wrist. Yeah. And hand or whatever. Yeah. Um, does this study also encompass the whole human body, or is it, like, yeah. focused on, like, basically biomechanics is, like, 
I'm trying to dumb this down because I'm an idiot. <laughs> yes. Uh, I wouldn't say you're an idiot. Um, definitely the whole human body. So just it, I mean, it can be broken up into different uh, different body parts or different specific things that you're looking at, right? So you can be looking at a performance aspect. Um, so okay. if you were an athlete, how could you increase your force? Um, so, I mean, depending on how you move, stuff like that. So Okay. Do you, like, look at things like, you know, optimal form and say like a hundred meter sprinter like coming up with like the correct equations to understand the best form to generate the more most force so like am i kind of along the right track yeah there? so not me specifically but definitely i'm sure that has been looked at right so if you if you think about sprinting if you have someone coming out of the blocks um i don't know if you ran track in high school but um, you knew i was fat <laughs> you were not fat. You were not fat. You you were an athlete. Don't don't get yourself. I was a fat athlete. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Anyways, uh, continue. It, well, when I ran track in high school, um, our coach, Mr. Dickey, would always tell me, "Don't stand up out of the blocks." Like so, basically, what that means is when you are in that lowered position, when you leave the blocks, you want to come up gradually, because if you stand straight up, you're just going to get wind resistance. And I mean, if you think about the way motion works, if you're pushing straight back when you're running. You don't want to be standing straight up because otherwise your motion is just going to travel a little bit differently. So if you're on an angle coming out of the blocks, you're going to generate a little bit more momentum in that forward. So I know your supervisor, you said wrist, is like that what you're specifically interested in? Like, or what, like where would you want to see your research and your studies take you? Like uh, this? Good question. So um, right now, I think that I'm going to do, yes, hand and wrist kind of stuff, but in an elderly population. Um, so he's presented me with an idea of uh, what they call uh, creeping habits of elderly people. So you, if you've ever seen an old person walking around and they like rest their arms on stuff or they like lean on walls or railings to get around so they don't fall over, right? Because your balance kind of goes away as you mm -hmm. get older. Um, and then I would be looking at uh, how their body weight affects their wrists and hands. Interesting. Yeah. Because you actually, you see some of them too. I mean, this is a very general statement, but they kind of walk like with like T Rex arms in a way. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but like they, their arms are almost placed in front of them at all times in this like hunched up motion. I know you can't see it as you're listening, but my hands are like little T Rex arms right now. Everybody knows what a T Rex looks yeah, like, they so <laughs> they can imagine. Um, I mean, why do you think that's important uh, as opposed to maybe studying? I don't know, like uh, hip issues or neck issues or something that maybe has more substance to it. That's a good question. Uh, I don't think it's more important. I think okay. I, I think that it's all equally important. Um, Why is this an important issue so, that you would so, want to so, make a career out of it? Well, currently the population of elderly people is like extremely high, and yep. and a lot of hand and wrist issues exist, and musculoskeletal disorders are. A huge tax on our healthcare system. So, if we could figure out like a better way for old people to get around without damaging their hands and wrists, potentially we could just help alleviate some of that cost. So, what kind of other things happen when you, an, or an old person, is using their their wrist or their their hands more? Like, do they see effects throughout the rest of their body? Um, maybe not so much throughout the rest of their body, but you need your hands for a lot of stuff, right? So, if you've if you've ever noticed. You probably have, and I don't know how many old people you stare at while they do stuff, but um, 
as you age, it gets harder to grasp things, um, to reach out and grab things. And if, if anything is too heavy, they'll have problems like picking it up off the counter, putting their dishes away, stuff like that. So if you could just make that easier on them, they might be able to be independent for a little bit longer, keep them out of nursing homes, old age homes and stuff like that. So interesting. Um, like, is there some sort of revelation or a personal moment where this was all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm interested in this and you know, something I want to pursue or is it just kind of like the opportunity landed on on your on your plate and you kind of just were like cool yeah I'm gonna run with it yeah pretty much the second one um so (laughs) I also timeline uh so as a master's student you have two years to complete your thesis and I'm going into my second semester so not my second year but still my first year but um, you hope to have an outline and a committee by the end of the summer so that you can start writing and collecting data and stuff like that. So it's a long process. And I mean, having a, an idea now is good. Okay. So what is your, so yeah, your thesis then is trying to understand this with the elderly. Right. Okay. So what are you going to have to go out and do like field work at like retirement homes and yeah. nursing homes and out with old people yeah so that's the overall <laughs> plan right now so i mean this this project could potentially just not exist um i mean if i don't get any uh, ethics so you have to apply to ethics if you're doing a master's degree you have to make sure that um, all the people that would be involved with your study um, consent to it and stuff like that so if we don't get a nursing home close by then i, I just have to figure something else mm, okay um, I'd recommend neck issues because I have neck issue and I want you to be able to fix it. All right. Um, that would be the goal. Um, I don't want to turn this into a, a sob story of anything because, uh, you know, we as Canadians and as, you know, I guess you could say if the internet was listening, white males are very privileged to be able to attend post-secondary education and pursue a greater, um, knowledge and in, in pursuit of like academia, like you are right now. I know I couldn't do it, but um, I think I I see it a lot on the internet right now, especially um, recently where the Ontario government uh, changed the structure of things like our, our student funding and you know everything um, all that went along with it. But I I see a lot of generations that are above us kind of put down the notion of schooling and that's things like how much it actually costs um i'm not saying necessarily that there's more work um i i think it's probably pretty even throughout the the years uh when you compare you know 20 30 40 years ago but i think it's the off the the off school things that surround you going to school that kind of make it that much more difficult i mean like we've seen a rise in suicides uh, for sure, in, in student uh, housing and post-secondary, um, you know, people are clamoring for mental health uh, services and resources. Um, I mean, I don't know how much it's correlated, but um, sexual assaults and everything. Like, the life of a student isn't necessarily all peaches and cream, as some of the older generation might lead you believe on the Facebook comment section. Um, I guess what I'm asking as like a full-time student is like, what types of things are you seeing in your interactions with people? I mean, you said you're a TA, so you have undergraduates who are under you. 
what what types of maybe patterns or um, symptoms of behavior that are pretty common throughout um, now seven years worth of school? It's a great question. That's a long, <laughs> it was a long worded question, question yes. but it's something um, I think we should all pay attention to a little bit more because yeah, you touched on a ton of great points, actually. So yes, being a full time student is glamorous sometimes. I mean, it does beat getting up at six a.m. every day and going to work it's potentially. Not that bad. Yeah, I mean, once you get used to it, it's not that bad if it's something you love, right? Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it can be difficult uh, for sure. Um, you can see that the cost of living has absolutely gone up. Um, tuition's going up. Finding houses is a little bit harder depending on where you're uh, going to school, obviously. Um, and then so you have rent, you have groceries. Sometimes it's people being away from their families for the first time and they don't know how they're going to react to it. Um, and then the stress to do well, right? So, like, you can't just go to school and fail mm-hmm. every single year. That's not how it works. Um, and then you asked me about undergraduate uh, patterns. So uh, this is my first year um, being a TA. So it's a new experience, sort of. Um, and I have the privilege of invigilating quizzes every Friday for uh, this anatomy class. So it's not just first years for the most part, but it is a lot of first years and then some second years. And it's a, a bunch of different programs mixed together. So kinesiology, nursing, uh, life sciences, mm, um, and then just people taking it as the, uh, an elective. And what I noticed uh, is everyone cares way too much. So each quiz is worth 2% of their final grade, which is, I mean, it isn't a lot, but it does add up over time. And they get really bent out of shape if something goes wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even mean if they get a question wrong. I just mean, like, if their computer is causing problems or the internet goes down or they're late or they just even want to use a piece of paper to write some stuff down. Like, they get really stressed out. Mm. And um, I don't know necessarily if that is due to school changing or if it's just people are more aware of mental health issues and they're more willing to bring them forward. Do you think it's uh, a case of the quote unquote? snowflake entitled generation where <laughs> i mean we laugh but <laughs> yeah people no, no. say this all the time that we're you know we're put through school without being able to fail without really facing adversity um so not to say that a computer not working on a quiz is adversity but <laughs> that yeah. perhaps you know you've now went to school with i would say Two generations, ge- like the millennials, yeah. and then generation, generation Z, X or Z or whatever, whatever it is, it is now. Yeah. Um, you know, I see it too in in managing young people in a way that there is a certain level of entitlement. A, well, that and like a lack of coping when things yeah. get stressful. I would agree with and that. Tough. I would um, agree. Yeah, they just, like, they don't handle themselves well or professionally, in my opinion. And that's a very, again, general statement. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, what boomers or the older generation are saying is, is true, but, you know, sometimes you do see it. And, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, especially, well, the the media age, right? So we grew up, we grew up with uh, video games and TVs and whatnot, and the internet came into effect when we were pretty young. But, like, we didn't grow up specifically with cell phones. Um, and we played outside a lot. And we yeah. played up growing sports where you could lose at a young age. And I, fi- I feel like that's a very valuable lesson to learn as a young person, right, to lose. Um, I don't know that it necessarily translates to coping in a school setting, but uh, I would agree that 
there is definitely a decline in people's ability to cope mm. with adversity. Not not so much adversity, even just um, inconveniences. Inconveniences, yeah. Right. Um, I got. I don't want to. I don't want to say a fight, but an <laughs> argument with my my girlfriend the other day. Um, I brought up the point that what I tell young people is, I, I was yes, your education is important. School is important. Um, but to your point, I always say that. You know, when I'm hiring, I don't care if you got an A, B, C, or D. I don't look. Right. And most employers don't look. So if the difference of you losing yourself or having a mental breakdown over an A or a B or a B or a C, you got to take care of yourself because, as I mean, as long as you pass and get the, the piece of paper at the end, in my opinion, um, it doesn't really matter what you get in grades other than personal satisfaction or if you're like yourself and you're pursuing a higher education in, in academia and research and mm-hmm. a master's or a doctorate or something else. But if you're just in it for the four years and then to get a job afterwards, like, I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on it, but to me, for someone to completely break down their sense of self over grades is, is asinine to me i I just don't understand it no i completely agree with you um even as someone who required a specific average to get into post-secondary for the third time um i still think that people should definitely like take care of themselves first like you can retake a class but if you're just going to be destroyed by it there's no point on being there Mm -hmm. i mean grades are not everything i mean i got into a master's program my grades were good obviously but they weren't exceptional i wasn't um like i wasn't killing it i mean i did enough to get in Mm -hmm. but i also had fun while i was in university i knew that after my undergrad uh, most likely that would be the end of the amount of fun that i could have it would definitely decline because i'd have a lot more work on my plate right Mm -hmm. you're at mcmaster i am um what was the interview process there was an interview process to get in right because i know someone who uh, went through that for kinesiology and um, unfortunately they didn't get in. But um, what was that like? Because I, I remember talking to them about it and they put a lot of pressure on just that process of applying. Um, yep. Was it like that intense or was it just like the pressure of your future or that was like got you thinking about it a little bit too much? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, so the application process I find to get into a master's program was more stressful than my first year has been. Really? Yeah. So, uh, the interview, the interview wasn't, I wasn't super, super stressed about my interview. Um, I was fortunate enough to have, um, a supervisor at Nipissing during my undergrad who, uh, helped me a lot with the topic that I was working on. And, um, he pushed me in the right direction. And then, uh, the guy that I work under now was his supervisor for his master's degree and his doctorate. So I had an, I had a little foot in the door. Um, but I mean, it depends. It depends on how you handle interviews. I find that, um, one of my strong points is my interview because I listen to what they're saying and then I take my, uh, my skill set and apply it to what they're saying so that mm-hmm. they understand how I would benefit them in that kind of I think that's yeah it's important you gotta have that like relate how what you're doing in your strength and like I don't care if you're a hard worker and very organized like 
what's that going to do for me? And how are you going to relate that to make me understand that? Exactly. Everybody and could say it. Just putting that on a piece of paper is not really any way to get into a program either. Like maybe on paper, I'm not the top applicant, but if you, if you meet me, you might like me. I, yeah. I might fit better. You didn't. Did you wear that sweater? I didn't. Oh, I, I wore, I wore suit. a button up shirt, nice. not a full suit, not a full suit, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, getting away from the school uh, portion of it, what made you want to get into the health fields, um, you know, pr- aside from pursuing this, the research and everything like that? Like, why get into health when clearly you're an intelligent guy, um, good with numbers and math? Uh, like, what made you want to get into health and, and all that stuff? Um, that is a very good question. Uh, so when I finished high school, I thought that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but I was kind of lazy in grade 12 and my grades didn't turn out the best and I applied to hard schools and I didn't end up getting in. So I was like, Oh, I need a fallback plan. So, uh, I ended up applying to college. Uh, we went to college together. So we've known yeah, we each did. other. We've known each other a really long time. Um, <laughs> Way before college. Yeah. Shout out to Loyalist College. Um, and uh, I studied fitness and health promotion because the like working out was always something I enjoyed uh, playing sports growing mm-hmm. up and stuff like that. So I thought that would be a great field uh, to go into and tr- try and give back. Um, I had a lot of good experiences with coaches and uh, our gym teacher uh, helped out a lot when we were kids. And I don't know, I just had a love for sports and fitness and I wanted to uh, remain in that field in some way. Okay. Um you took health and fitness promotions? Yes. Did I nail that too? You nailed it. God, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then you were working as a trainer. I did, that's yeah. That's correct. So following, uh, following college, uh, I applied to go to Ottawa U. Um, and I was there, and I didn't enjoy the program. I was commuting 45 minutes a day both ways. So I decided to drop out, take a year off, year and a half kind of, and uh, I got a job. Um, <clears throat> working at Greco in Carlton Place, and as well as I used to work at this place that doesn't exist anymore called Acceleration Ottawa. Mm. So I was able to um, teach group fitness classes, have one-on-one personal training sessions at Greco, and then uh, over at Acceleration, we had one of those uh, nylon skating treadmills. And I used to help kids learn how to skate or mm. older athletes that were trying to get in shape for their season or just work on their stride a little bit more. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was a cool job. Um so what were some of your, because I've had a personal trainer on before who's also out of the industry, uh, believe it or not. Um, what, as a personal trainer, like what, I mean, one, they're expensive. Yeah. And that's always one of the the drawbacks, I think, of a lot of people. I mean, I would love to have a personal trainer, but it's an expensive thing to do. But what what was that job like what did the what did you see in people what did you see about the industry um the uh and everything that went into it because i know immediately one of the first things you said to me is like i have thoughts on this i was like oh interesting <laughs> I have, okay I have many thoughts so, <laughs> so working as a trainer i actually loved being a, a group fitness instructor um it was really early uh early mornings so i would usually be at work by 4 30 uh teaching five o'clock classes um and i mean those classes were bumping like people were ready to go at 5 a.m like the the core group that would come in every every morning and get their workout in they were so lively and enjoyable and like i it felt made me feel really really good just because like i knew i was benefiting them in some way because i was giving them uh 
a place to get their workout in before work. I feel waking up at 5 a.m. for a workout, like, you're committed. Yes. Because that's not easy. Because then they go to work all day, and, like, this is my job, but, like, they have a job on top of that exercise. Yeah. Um, so working in the industry was great um, for the people, I would say. Uh, employers, not so much, and other trainers. Sometimes I could find rub me the wrong way or just kind of made me feel inadequate, stuff like that, right? Okay. What do you, like... I mean, you're, you were always a big guy, um, and not when I say big, like you were built like a NFL running back. <laughs> so like when you say inadequate, like people are, like making fun of you because of your physique or you weren't as strong as them. Like, cause I guess you get this image in your head that personal trainers and you, especially with Instagram now, because that's one of like the big rages on Instagram that gets a lot of likes and a lot of followers are these super ripped cross uh whatever it's crossfit athletes who have like raging eight packs and like biceps that go over their head and they just like look so good doing these intense workouts yes uh so so, <laughs> so because you were not that yeah so by were... inadequate I, I wouldn't say that anybody said anything to me necessarily um but like oftentimes it was hinted at I had an employer that told me I had to go to class four times a week if I wanted to be a regular trainer which like I was happy to do but I didn't really enjoy being told that I was like oh well I have like I have this diploma and I have personal training experience like I was top of my class and my program like I know what I'm doing mm -hmm. I mean I don't I don't necessarily I mean I practice what you preach I guess but not everybody's built the same way right so I've I've always struggled to keep weight off. Like I've never had a hard time putting it on. Um, I could gain weight looking at a piece of bread. Yeah, I always say like I eat a thing of spinach and I feel bloated. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't good, right? So, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, just it's a tough industry to be in, especially with Instagram, um, all these fitness influencers, and you never really know like what that person's going through or like what their diet's sure. like, what their regimen's like, then maybe that's their full-time job. Maybe all they do is eat and train and like take pictures of themselves. Yeah. Like, um, when you were saying that I equated it to kind of like a, a, a football coach in a way, in the sense that um, just the, I guess it's don't judge a book by its cover. Like you could be super fat and out of shape, but like really no yeah. great workouts just because you don't do them. I mean, it seems a little hypocritical. You're telling someone to work their ass off and you don't, but you look at football coaches who are sometimes geniuses at the sport of football, but they're huge. Yeah. It's like Wayne Gretzky was a terrible hockey coach, but he was arguably the best player of all time. Yeah. So, um, so I, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, if you're going as a, a customer, you want like people who look great because just a, perception wise like this person looks great so they're gonna make me look great yeah and I mean I could argue the the opposite of that right like you would want someone I mean yes and no you'd want someone who doesn't look that great so you're not feeling ashamed of yourself the whole time but at the same time you're like well you don't even take care of yourself mm -hmm. how are you gonna help me take care of myself yeah. it's it's a tough it's a tough line to talk yeah one thing I've always wondered and this is a little bit of my struggles you know I go to the gym five days a week um, I try to eat as healthy as possible while also sometimes indulging and overeating. So it's not perfect, but right. you know, I eat salads every day for lunch. I eat a healthy breakfast and most of the time a healthy dinner. So for the majority of my meals throughout a week right. are healthy, which is good. Um, I'm trying to look at, you know, good supplementing and, and all that stuff. 
I've been going for three years now. And while I have lost weight and while I have changed my figure, I am nowhere where I thought I would be after three years. You'd think that you'd almost have no fat left. Right. What I'm wondering is, do you think for the average person who does not live at a gym, is it possible to have that like sick body by just five days a week, an hour a day? Like, can you look that fit? Um, or is it really like so much beyond just going to the gym and working out really hard and, and then leaving and like so, to be like that cut, that clean cut? That is a good question. So yes and no, it is doable for sure. Uh, I mean, I think dialing in your nutrition would be the biggest thing, right? So a, a lot of times people don't actually know how many calories they're taking in versus yeah. how many they're burning. So, I mean, it's a tricky line as well, right? So like you don't want to be monitoring yourself so strictly that you're uh, restricting so much that you're like under malnourished, yeah. right? And then you just end up not being able to exercise because you're so tired and you're so drained and... There's so many other scientific things that you could get into, like adrenal fatigue. I'm sure you've heard Joe Rogan talk about it at, mm -hmm. at least one time. Explain it for the people who don't listen. So uh, adrenal, your adrenal glands. That's uh, hormone? <laughs> it's a hormone kind of. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it uh, produces epinephrine and stuff like that. Okay. And you want... it's adrenaline. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. There you go. Snap. Science. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you don't want, you don't want that to be tapped out all the time. Right. And if, if your body's in a constant state of restriction, you're just going to burn that out really quickly. So like getting adequate sleep, mm -hmm. making sure you're getting all of your, uh, macro and micronutrients. So fat, carbs, proteins, and then all the vitamins and minerals and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's tough because I mean, the quick fix is to supplement, right? Yeah. So I, I don't disagree with supplementation. I've experimented with supplementation myself. Like I've tried protein, I've tried creatine, mm -hmm. I've tried BC, BCAAs, um, and then multivitamins are good. I mean, I don't have any like actual facts to back up if any of them help you in any way. But if you're someone who struggles to get the adequate amount of protein in a day, taking a protein shake isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But what you're saying, I guess, is... If you're expecting these exceptional results from supplementing. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So, yeah, long-winded answer to your question is, yes, it is possible to look that good, but don't expect it quickly, right? It's mostly diet, though, isn't it? Is, it is. A lot of it is diet. I mean, if you want big muscles, you got to work hard. Yes, yes. But if you want those muscles to show through your skin, you got to eat better. Ugh. I know. I know. And it's so hard. I know it's hard. I like food way too much yeah. to be ripped. So, and you have to really kind of, I don't want to say calorie restrict, but like you do, really you need to be it. to lose weight. You need to be in a deficit at the end of the week. Yeah. Right. So, um, do you know who like, um, what's the Jocko, I think Winnick is his last name, David Goggins, like those, those guys, they've I been do, on Rogan before. I do not. Okay. So David Goggins. And if you're listening, I seriously encourage you to go look it up. Cause this guy is a bananas maniac. Like this guy <laughs> Um, runs like marathons a day, like has the world record for chin ups and Jeez. all this stuff. So he, like, he works out all the time. Like that's all he does. Right. Um, and he says that, you know, you can get over the aspect of being tired and and all that just through your mindset. And I'm not saying that's true or not true. Like I don't know. I think that really depends on the person. But I guess for like the average 
person, like the average Joe who's just, I don't want to go to the gym today. I'm, I'm tired. Like, is there a certain level of effort that your body can give even when you're mentally tired to somehow get over that hump to just to get going? Like, how hard does your body have to work to be truly drained that you really shouldn't be going or, you know, like you're in an effort of probably really hurting yourself? I, th I think that you would know uh, if your body was too tired to physically exercise. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, if you're not feeling like going to the gym, going to the gym is the best thing to do because you're going to get into your workout and then like you're going to start feeling a little bit better towards yeah. the end and then after you're going to feel amazing. And you know what? You might sleep better that night. And then it That's one of the biggest things I noticed is you'd think that you would have less energy with working out and exercising, but really it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, I, yeah. So, I was actually talking to my chiropractor this morning about it cuz he was mentioning working out of am I still going all that stuff talking about it. He's like, "What's the biggest thing?" I was like, "My energy." Like in high school and college, if you asked me to get up at 6 a.m. and do anything, <laughs> I'd be useless. <laughs> yeah. I'd be useless. I couldn't do any. I would need like three naps. Yeah. Um, but ever since I've been going consistently, I'm up at 5.36. And when I wake up, I'm tired. I would like a little extra sleep for sure. But mm -hmm. once I get going to the day, like no problems, no afternoon dip. Um, I can go to the gym. I like to go after work because there's... Hell no way I can get up at 5 a.m. and put that much effort in. I still haven't got there yet. So I go after work. Um, but no problems trying to get through that even no matter what day I had. And I would argue that it's better f depending if I had a really shitty day. Yeah, work out some of that aggression or frustration. It's always a good move. I yeah. mean, there's a saying that's no one's ever regretted a workout. But, I mean, sometimes I do. Yeah. yeah. One time I got hemorrhoids from being on the bike too long. Uh, I regretted that workout. I love the bike, but I also <laughs> hate the bike. There's yeah. a little too much information. I'm going to isolate that clip and just replay it. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody can hear it twice. Um, what is it? I mean, a lot of people do know, and it's, it's a pretty easy um, look up. But, like, what is it about working out that helps elevate the mood and helps – you know, give you that energy because a lot of people hear it all the time and may not understand just what it will do for them. They're like, you know, it's either fitness buffs saying it or, you people know, people that have literally no training but like a weekend course. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, like for the average person, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. This idiot's going to tell me the workout felt good. Like, whatever. I don't care. But like, you know, I'm not a gym buff. I, I would argue I hate going every time I get in there, but I like it afterwards because I'm like, oh, I feel great. Yeah. Um, what is it like, what are the chemicals that get released? What are the, what's going on in the brain when you're exercising that makes it so beneficial for humans? Right. So, uh, I mean, I can only comment on a few. I don't want to say too much in case I'm wrong. Uh, it's been a while since I've taken physiology, but, um, <clears throat> like dopamine would be one of them. Yeah. Uh, fire you up a little bit. It's a big rush. So basically the same, uh, chemical receptor in the brain as drugs or sweets. Uh, I mean, Exercise. It's like the addicting yeah. or the addictive exactly. and that's how thing it's, in your brain. And that's how people get addicted to the gym. Uh, similar to that, uh, serotonin, I believe, is the the mood enhancer. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, adrenaline, as I said before, you can get adrenal fatigue. Uh, I mean, just a bunch of other things, right? So your body goes through a lot of processes once you've exercised. I mean, if you've exercised hard enough to cause any, any damage to your muscles, right? Yeah. So, What's like an optimal level of working out 
um, you know, I've I've read and I've looked up because it's something I'm interested in. Um, I don't have access to a really great gym, so I'm always looking at certain ways I can help optimize things just to give me a bit a bit like a bigger push yeah. in in my goals. Right. Um, so I'm looking at things like heart rate and how how hard do I actually have to work. Or how hard can I work before it becomes a detriment? Like, what are some optimal levels in the gym? Maybe even just, like, without, like, a heart rate monitor or, you know, any of that stuff. Like, that someone who's just averagely running, like, can can look up or just, you know, feel their pulse or being, you know, like this, whatever. That they're like, okay, I am working hard enough to, to make a true difference. Is there even a level? Or does, like... Uh, walking wood walking i mean i'm sure there's some benefit but like yeah so i mean it obviously depends on what kind of goals you you have in mind right so if your goal is just to generally be healthy so cardiovascular health um i'm not going to tell people how to run because i don't like to run very much myself so i'm not an expert on the situation but um i would say heart rate zones is a good one uh, i mean there's a fat burning zone basically if you're working at a lower heart rate you're burning more fat whereas you're, if you're in the upper levels of your uh, heart rate max range so i mean it's 220 minus your age so for me oof, i can't even do the math one let's do it 220 193 i think oh my quick God. quick math so if if i was up between probably 160 and 190 um i'd be just purely working on my cardiovascular health so which seems weird that to, you'd work out slower to burn more fat right. than working harder. Right. I just so <laughs> I can try and explain that really simply. Yeah, put that. So to, you have again, my Neanderthal brain. You have different uh, different energy systems that you use. So there's one called glycolytic, which is sugar based. And okay. Uh, and I mean all of them. The, there's one that doesn't require oxygen, but it only lasts eight to ten seconds. So sprinters would be in that energy system. So, but you would use your immediate stores of carbohydrates or sugars right away in that eight to ten seconds, and then after that, you'd be working in an oxygen deficit. So that's where lactic acid is produced. That's another. So it's an, another myth. Um, lactic acid is a buildup caused by <clears throat> exercise done without oxygen. It's not necessarily something that burns mm. your legs. Okay. And then, um, I mean, if you're if you're working out at a a lower a lower level, you don't need quite as many carbs, right? Because it's not a so it'll burn fat, right? So, carbs is always your first energy source, but if you use those up, you have your fat stores. So that's the, I guess, the thing behind keto. The keto yeah. diet. Yeah, if you're you because you don't don't have. even get me started on the keto oh, diet. Oh no! <laughs> now I want to get into the keto diet because right. okay. But before you before yeah. we go there, I'll I'll finish I'll finish that. Yeah. So I mean, the concept of keto is to become in a, a state of ketosis, right? So if you limit your carbohydrate intake and you increase your fat and protein, you, your body becomes alkaline, and I you I. I that's as much as I know about it. I'm not yeah. an expert, but I'm not a big fan of it either. I okay. mean, if 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 it helps you become healthier all for it like be healthy i love that and if if you have like a a problem with carbohydrates i guess do it but just make good choices yeah like don't don't eat processed meats and stuff like that like you're just going to increase your saturated fat levels and your cholesterol and it's it's just not a good road okay because i i know a lot of people who've had short-term success right uh on it and is that because of this 
ketosis or is it just because you're limiting carbs? Right. So it takes a while to actually get into a state of ketosis. So like basically the, if they're seeing success in the first couple of weeks, that's water weight. Like that happens with kind of every diet. Um, I'm not a huge diet expert. That's not my specialty. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, if if you're doing it properly, it, it could be really beneficial. I'm sure that it works for some people and you're making good choices with your fats, right? So you need fats. I'm not going to say don't eat fats. I, I think fats are extremely important. It's yeah. just which which types of fats you're getting uh, in your diet. So like yeah. avocados and specific nuts. types of oils. Yeah, nuts. I mean, not peanuts, but like other nuts. I eat almonds. Almonds are I'm good. Doing okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean, just you just need to, <laughs> you just need to know how many you're eating, right? Like they are very high in fat. So why are you so against it then? I'm not. I'm not necessarily against it. I'm against how people are blowing it up. Well, like, because it's commercialized, right? And, and that's it, what happens it, with everything. And you know what? It does work for some people. Yeah, which is great. But um, I just I, you need carbs. So carbs are not the enemy. No, absolutely not. Carbs carbs are your brain's source of energy. You need Ooh, them. Yeah. Okay. What are good carbs then? Vegetables. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously complex carbohydrates. So uh, like brown rice. Is oatmeal okay? I love oatmeal. Yeah, I um, eat oatmeal every morning. I so eat oatmeal worried. too, but I don't. <laughs> but I, I do like the actual like. You you make it in a pot. You don't yeah. microwave it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. I mean, you get the what, what, what kind like steel cut? You a steel cut guy, or are you just a regular? I, think I get the one minute quick oats. Yeah, the ready oats. Yeah, yeah, Quaker. That's okay. Um, I can't comment on whether they're terrible for you or bad for you or so good go for you. Stone mill day. <laughs> <laughs> the more complex it is, the better. That's my opinion on it, right? Because it takes longer to break down, so it's. It's not a it's not a, an immediate spike in your insulin, right? So mm -hmm. that's the difference between a complex carb and a a non complex carb, a, a sugar basically, right? So white bread, white rice, it it's broken down so fast that it spikes your your blood sugar right away. Just white things making and things I'm worse. For and I'm not going to say that they're bad f for you in any sense because you do need carbohydrates, but um, I mean it depends on what you're doing, right? So if you're an athlete, you're obviously going to need before like before a competition or a race or a sporting event you're going to want those carbs in you yeah uh, like marathoners and right they, they have like those little carb gels basically exactly and like if you ate that on a regular basis if you weren't running you would just absolutely be enormous <laughs> because if they're so high in carbs and and probably fats too right because and maybe protein even, yeah because you need that kind of stuff but it's not, it's not something you can just crush all the time. Okay, well, let's get into a little segment because I saw a little fire burning <laughs> in my eye. What are some, I'm not going to say controversial subjects, but like what are some things about whether it's diet or health and fitness or the commercialization of the industry, uh, bodybuild, like whatever it is, what are some things that you absolutely as a, as a you know, person studying the science behind some of these things are absolutely this is false this is wrong this is unhealthy out of control whatever it may be what are some of the things that people should know that you're like hold up okay hold uh up. that's a good question uh there's it's not so much like a specific thing that i dislike about anything in the fitness industry it's more um to what extremes people are taking those things or out of context. Okay. So bodybuilding is great, except if you're competing because it's not a healthy way to live that dehydrated, right? I mean, 
if you're somebody who's eating really well all year round and then you just, uh, I guess they dehydrate themselves to be on stage. If you do that like once a year for like whatever it is, I think a week before you start dehydrating. I'm not sure. I'm not a bodybuilder. I've never mm-hmm. competed or trained anybody going into competition. But I mean, if you did that once a year, by all means, that's great. As long as you're not taking steroids because steroids are super bad for you. <laughs> Well, I mean, abuse of steroids, I should yeah. say, because you know what they they do really good things for your body. So yeah, but so okay, so oh, what was that guy's name? He was the bodybuilder, and he was like really great in the '90s, early 2000s. He's probably like the biggest guy. Uh, There's a documentary. I just is it Ronnie Coleman? Yes, Ronnie Coleman. Ain't nothing but a peanut. Yeah, <laughs> and I watched a documentary on Netflix about him, and like he's walking around in. With like crutches, like a uh, little crutch things. Yeah, because he can't walk because his hips are so devastated from squatting nine hundred pounds and yeah. yeah, working out three times a day for years and years and years. Right. Yeah. So I mean, the the concept behind anabolic steroids is that you can work out really really hard and then you just shoot up and it aids in that repair. Right. So it makes mm-hmm. your body better at repairing itself. So it allows them to work out harder and more often. So, I mean, the fact that he's walking around with crutches doesn't surprise me. His body's going to fall apart immediately yeah, after he stops I mean, taking steroids. He had, like, crazy amounts of surgeries. Yeah. No, I believe that. Um, I haven't watch watched it. it, but I will. Oh, yeah. yeah I love Netflix. documentaries. I mean, it was cool, so. But, like, yeah. He was, he, was a, he was definitely a character. And he still works out. Yeah, it's incredible then. Like. In a wheelchair, maybe? No, he's not in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, he'll, he'll still do everything. He just. You see him like struggling. He just can't walk. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's crazy. So okay. So so yeah. That. Um. Yeah. So other things. Uh. So I'm actually an advocate for CrossFit, which is, I mean, probably controversial I've to heard tons that's of people. Bad. Yeah. I mean, everything's bad if you do it the wrong okay. way. Okay. Right. So if you have a good coach, um, if you focus on form rather than performance, right. So I don't necessarily think competing in it is a great idea because you can absolutely get hurt. I mean, you're moving heavy weights at high intensities. Um, if your form's bad, you can definitely hurt your back, your knees, you drop weights on yourself. I mm-hmm. mean, you can once again, get adrenal fatigue if you're just working out too much all the time. And if you're not focusing on uh, proper nutrition and recovery. So, okay. Um, CrossFit good, uh, lifting bad. No, exercise, exercise statement. good. <laughs> um, what is it about CrossFit that gets? I mean, I, at least two years ago there was a lot of rage. I still see lots of people do it, but it definitely kind of took. It has off. it has quieted down a little bit um, since, but because that that is intense as hell. It is. I mean, I think the, <laughs> I think I think the problem is is that. Uh, everyone only really sees the games or like the actual competition of it. Whereas like right. the good part of it is like working out with a community sort of. So um, okay. our old high school teacher, Mr. Dickey runs a nonprofit CrossFit gym out of the school. And he has people from the community come in um, in the mornings during the week at pretty early. And then uh, he sometimes hope hosts a Monday night class and uh, it's just fun. Everyone supports each other. Everybody helps everybody get better. And it is competitive. And, like, I mean, if you played sports in high school or, like, extracurricular, um, it kind of adds that sense of competition that you might be missing if you don't play sports anymore. Yeah, which keeps you from raging on the Internet. Yes. Because, one, you're in the gym working out, and, two, you're not as angry, and, three, all that rage is out in the gym. Yeah, but raging <laughs> on the Internet is okay, too. 
No, it's not. No, you're right. Don't <laughs> say that. We've been through this on this up on this podcast before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've. I mean, shout out to Mr. Dickey because I see people posting about it and people I never thought would be one into exercise at all and two doing CrossFit. Because when I see some of those like lists you guys have to do, it's like 100 burpees, and I'm like, damn. This is a lot of burpees. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I do 10, and I'm like. Time out, guys. <laughs> that's enough. No more burpees. Um, so, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, Good for you. Oh, I don't do it anymore. It's, oh. I, it's no fun by yourself. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm just going to do 100 burpees now. It's too expensive. Uh, it's too expensive to belong to a box as a student. Uh, so. I, that's one of the – like, I get the cost. It's, it's, pro- it's not cheap probably running a gym and paying for all the equipment. I get it. But – It is outrageously expensive. There's a lot of things that are – expensive and that's why you see places like fit for less and and um what's planet fitness like they're just like overrun with young people yeah because it's so cheap yeah i mean i yeah i just wish fitness was was more accessible like good truly good fitness was more accessible to more people yeah like i mean everyone could do home workouts but uh, not everyone has the knowledge or the, the space. Either. It's not the same. You're right. You want to be in a gym with other people sometimes. Yeah, or like I'm doing bench press. I'm doing this. You're not, you're doing not like bench a, pressing at home. Yeah. Yeah, not doing a modified thing with like your couch. Um, it's one. That's one of the tough things for me. But like, I can't even afford a gym membership. Like I could, but like detriments to other things. Yeah. I so, mean, you gotta eat. You gotta pay rent. Yeah, those are like, more important. Same with same with health. Like yeah. that's another thing. Like supplements like you just said like probably not they're not bad but they're not they're not they're almost, they're almost not they're almost not worth the money yeah at this point. and that's the thing they're like yeah. i look up something new i hear about it. i'm like oh i just like look it up like see what it is and it's like 60 dollars for 19 servings i'm like i'm out yeah that's not it's enough like <laughs> only the rich people are allowed to wow. truly feel healthy benefits and yep that's right the best yeah the wealthy survive i mean if we want to talk about rich people yeah income inequality and everything like that like that that's one of the biggest things you don't yeah. can't afford i mean to be truly healthy and even healthy food now like a little thing of broccoli sprouts it's just the new thing i'm trying to get into is like 5.99 and it goes bad within a week yeah you know? vegetables are pretty expensive sometimes uh i mean you got to shop in season that's the thing I think. yeah but, or grow your own or grow your own yeah but i live in an apartment it's frowned upon, I imagine. Well, I probably could, but yeah. I'd rather just spend the money. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and complain about it on my podcast. Yeah. I th- I think my biggest problem is is like I'm so lazy when I'm prepping vegetables that I'd rather spend the extra two dollars and get it prepped for me. Like the cut vegetables or the pre bagged. Oh, uh, I've I've been pretty good. So what I do for now is I make my breakfast the night before so I don't have to wake up early. Meal prep. So what I do uh, is I do oatmeal. And then I put some chia and flaxseed in it with some cinnamon, put some frozen berries on it, and I put it in the fridge overnight. Overnight oats. Nice. Uh, take it out, um, put some Greek yogurt and banana on it, wow. and then that's my breakfast. Sounds spectacular. It's delicious. Yeah, and, and it, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, and it's quite healthy. Yeah. Um, and then I leave all my sal- salad prep in the fridge at work. Right. So at lunch, I just go up and make it. And then that is nice. People laugh at me because I'm eating a salad all the time. But yeah, they say you don't make friends with salad, but I think salad's great. Yeah. So, but you know, as someone like I'm trying really hard to cut down weight and especially cut down the fat on my body because that's always been an issue. Um, and 
fuck is it ever hard? <laughs> like when it I see doesn't people, get easier as you get older either. It yeah, gets like more when I difficult. see people going truly from like morbidly obese to like ripped. Yeah. Like the amount of effort that these people put in, like I, it is incredible. Yeah, they don't get the credit <clears throat> they deserve. Even just the post, it's like yeah, good for you. It's like no, you don't understand. Yeah, that, that when, took them a year for sure, and like to put yourself in a caloric restriction for over a year while exercising consistently is not an easy thing to no, do. No, and the sacrifices you have to make, like there's no going out with friends really. Yeah, you don't really understand how much a one beer adds to your caloric uh, intake either it's so sad yeah and then your friends sit around and they have nachos or whatever and like you're just it had, just it's a downward spiral i had beer and nachos today yeah but sometimes i'll do burpees after my beer and nachos and i'll i mean you still gotta about my life i mean you're not morbidly obese so i think you can <laughs> indulge in a beer and a plate of nachos from time to time oh yeah or 10 or 10 <laughs> yeah, 10 beers yeah um I don't know if you wanted to touch on it. You had something that we were talking about, about body image. Yeah, we can talk about body image. Because that seems something like you were pretty fired up about yeah. at the beginning. And I know we touched on it very, very briefly. Yeah, somebody. so somebody I went to uh, my, my undergrad with um, was considering doing this for her thesis um, in her master's. Um, so she'd be focusing on health promotion. It's just a, another subset of kinesiology. Uh, and she was going to look at um, body image issues with people um, either in the fitness industry or taking phys ed slash kinesiology slash health promotion in school okay. and how that affects them. Interesting. Um, did she get in? Is she pursuing that study? or? Uh, so I actually saw her a couple weekends ago, and I forgot to ask her what she was doing. But she has almost done her thesis. So, I mean, if she is doing it, she's doing a great job. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things you see about that? I mean, again, we talked about it, that there's a certain perception of what a personal trainer should be, but even people, you know, whether in kinesiology or physiotherapy or all those things, like what, what types of things are we seeing or we finding that you may be experiencing yourself? Yeah, so I think it's just a bit of an added pressure, right? So people have that perception of um, a student or a health professional and like you're supposed to represent the body of health but you know what it's not always that easy i mean myself i i find it hard to go to the gym sometimes i mean especially in the winter i live off campus i have to walk 15 minutes to the school and if i don't have to be on campus i'm not going to go to the gym unless i like really force myself to go so mm -hmm. i find it i find it difficult to like just maintain that uh, body image of myself where i'm happy with it you know what i mean yeah Right. So like people, yeah, I mean, obviously there are those people in that industry that do look that way and do maintain that physique year round or over the years. And yeah. it's, and I'm envious of them a little yeah. bit. I mean, most of those people, like the way it looks to me anyway, is like they live in the gym, like that's their nine to five. That's why I was asking, like, is it possible to, to reach some of these levels as like, you know, a person who has a full-time job, has a family, has other commitments where it seems like these people who just it's and again, you you said it yourself, we don't know what these people are going through. We don't know what goes on outside of the post. But, you know, perception definitely is is like these people just live in the gym for ten hours a day. I mean being able to monetize your your Instagram would be beneficial to maintaining that kind of physique, right? If you're making money off of looking that good all the yeah. time and promoting exercise. Uh, it probably becomes a little bit easier. I mean, that is your job. But, <clears throat> yeah, uh, 
that's the thing. It is it is attainable, obviously, for people that do have full time jobs or are full time students and are busy. I mean, you said it when we were just talking about morbidly obese people losing all that weight. It's just a commitment. You mm-hmm. just got to make a few sacrifices, right? Spend Sunday cooking, uh, package up all your meals, make sure you don't eat out as much. And then, yeah, finding time to exercise. I mean, not necessarily going to the gym. You don't need to go to the gym five days a week to be fit. You can do other stuff that help um, make you in a little bit better shape. Such as sports? Sports, yeah. So um, joining like a sports league would be always a good move. Um, just making better decisions, right? So I walk to school mostly because parking is $20 a day. <laughs> but also because uh, the last school I attended, I wasn't able to walk to campus just because it was minus 30 every day. In and, the summer. Yeah, and it was uphill both ways. <laughs> no. um, but uh, just stuff like that. So making taking the stairs instead of the elevator, uh, walking to work riding your bike, going for a walk after dinner, um, just little things. Yeah, I do a stupid thing where I walk down the stairs every morning from my sixth floor apartment um, instead of taking an elevator. It's not stupid I've at all. I've been doing that for three years. Yeah, so so they recommend that you get 10,000 steps a day to increase your heart Which health. is so much harder than people Which is a lot, realize. yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, you have a Fitbit. I have a Fitbit. I'm obsessed with tracking my steps and my heart rate and stuff like that. And it yeah. tracks my sleep, which is great. Um, but it just usually reminds me how lazy and how little I sleep. Yeah, so I'm only at eight thousand nine hundred right now. Well, you're cr- with, you're absolutely crushing me. That was with a gym, though. Yeah, I haven't been to the gym today. I didn't, I didn't do any cardio. Are you I, gonna go? I have a gym right over there. <laughs> Am I gonna go? Maybe. I'll think um, about it. Yeah, it's. Uh, the body image world right now is is crazy with social media and i find you know i don't get too self-conscious about it anymore but i know that people like see those posts and like it's so detrimental to them that they can't reach those levels and you know some people and unfortunately no matter how hard you try you still your body composition you still might not get there yeah to those certain levels like you still might have visceral fat around your your stomach or right i mean the way that i would put that is that people are predisposed as to how they put on weight right so you might be predisposed to carry extra weight in your hips some people carry it in their stomach i know it's referred to often as the apple and the pear fucking mom and dad yeah (laughs) it is their fault yeah (laughs) it's not your fault it's their fault um when you were a personal trainer did you ever have a client that you know maybe overweight maybe not looking so good and it was a real struggle to get them to their classes and everything even though they were paying like did you ever have like one of those that wanted to make a change or do you know somebody who you know what i mean like those people who like there is appetite to make a change but like they got there and they're like oh this is so hard they're complaining it's they're they're not strong at the exercises they're not intaking information like they're not truly committed to it even though they're they're still there and they're still paying for it yeah so i mean i didn't have a ton of one-on-one clients i mostly did group settings um but you definitely have both extremes um so i would have uh elderly people come in for a class and then some of them would be like given it everything they've got and they're working harder to be better every day they're taking in everything i'm telling them so like my job was to lead the class and then during during the rounds i would also uh, correct form so i would make sure they're doing the exercises properly bring them heavier weights or lighter weights or tell them to take a break if they look like they were struggling a little bit Mm -hmm. and there was definitely people that 
wanted to be there and wanted to make a change and were making those changes. Um, and then there were definitely people that were just there because they could afford to go. And like maybe they had a, a significant other that dragged them along, mm-hmm. but they didn't really like they weren't there to better themselves any more than the minimal effort required. Mm-hmm. So just trying to find out what people who are, you know, in the industry, like day to day who, you know, not just those inspirational Instagram posts, like what are some of those motivational tactics to really help people understand the benefits and really get after it? That's a good question. Um, I was really fortunate with most of my people that I worked with. So, uh, at, at the, the group, the group fitness center, um, everyone was always in a good mood. And if they were in a bad mood, basically the only way you would motivate them was to make them smile or make them laugh. So joke around a little bit. Mm So, um, I would never teach alone. I'd always have uh, a coworker working with me. And so basically class would, class would start. We'd introduce ourselves. We'd be like, all right, we're going to show you all the exercises and we'd demo them and we'd make jokes as we're going along. Whoever was doing the talking, the other person was demonstrating and the person talking would make jokes, make the crowd laugh, get the crowd into it. And then we do, um, a big inclusive warm up, make more jokes. And then you really focus on those people that might be having a harder day. Mm-hmm. You go around to their station and just make them laugh tell them they're doing a great job, um, stuff like that. So really it's all about encouraging and positive environment and and everything like that that gets – and you find that works for most people? For most people. I mean, if they're in a really bad mood, sometimes maybe just leave them alone, let them put their head down, get their work done. But you're exercising. How can you be in a bad mood? I don't know. I mean, at 5 in the morning maybe. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I'm then the other, the other place that I worked, um, I – dealt almost entirely with just young athletes. Um, and that was a similar experience, both extremes, right? So some people were there because their parents parents make them go, and then mm. others were there because they've asked their parents to put them in it, and they're actually working to be better, right? So you have kids who are 13, 14, wanting to play junior hockey in the next couple of years. They're pushing really hard, and they want to be there. And then you have kids who are six or seven, they're kind of just there because they can't skate very well and their parents have money so they can afford to bring yeah. them here. And um, That's actually a good point. How do you feel when it comes to children and exercise in terms of going to the gym and, and stuff like that as or kids or as early teens, mid-teens? I'm not talking about 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds. I'm talking about like taking your 10 year old and making them go for a run, not just your standard, like playing outside at that type of exercise, but like actually like, so exerting yourself. You, like yeah. You mean to fitness wise rather than like fun. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. way to put it. Fitness. <clears throat> fitness over fun. Uh, I mean, it depends. It, are they into it? Like, um, if I would, is there I any think... health risks to it? Like having a, like a 10 year old say lifting weights and stuff. Like... Yeah. So weights. Yes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't recommend weights uh, under the age of 16 unless they're finished growing, which, I mean, you keep growing until you're 21, roughly. So uh, weights, yes, I would say no to weights unless they're super, super light. But exercise is good. I would never say don't exercise. So, like, you know, I have younger siblings. Yeah. Um, Again, in terms of fitness, are there things like if I'm like, hey – come for a quick run with me like that that stuff's all good like inter- like or is that like gonna hurt them more so 
No, it's definitely or good. even like uh, calisthenics, like push ups. Or... No, great stuff. I mean, as long as everything is done properly, right? So, like, if they have really, really bad running form, taking them on a long road run, not a great idea. Yeah. Because, like, you can damage the shins. Um, people get shin splints running on the road a lot. And it's just like micro fractures in your shin bone, so it's mm. really not a it's not a good thing. That's to, not it's not a good thing to do, and it's not something they want to live with. You don't want them to hate running from a really young age either. Yeah. You want them to build that hate on their own. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like, uh, I really don't like running that much either. But now that's like my prefer. If I just need to go to the gym really quick, I will probably just go for a run. Yeah. Even though I never was a fan of it, I always sucked at it. Like, yeah. Could not do 100 meters, couldn't do 200 meters, couldn't do a 400. Now I can run an hour. That's great. I could probably run more, but I stop in an hour. That's probably good. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's just funny how it's like, oh, I only have 30 minutes to go to the gym. I'll just go for a run instead <laughs> of, like, some people will go, like, I'll go do bench. Bench. Yeah. yeah. Bench is always Meathead good. stuff. Yeah. It's a classic exercise. I mean, it's good for you. They always say that, what is it, um, bench press, squats, and deadlifts are yeah. like some of the like, compound movements. Right? Yeah, you should always be doing those in some form. Yeah, I wouldn't say every exercise. Some people say that you should, but yeah, that like no. those are like the three. I mean, if you're looking at general fitness, maybe um, <clears throat> just focusing on a full body workout every time, kind of getting those big compound movements in. Yes, but yeah, you shouldn't bench every every time you're at the gym. Definitely not. Yeah. Squatting, maybe. Yeah, you squat every day. Yeah, you could. I mean. Not, you're he- like not heavy, store? not heavy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, huh. Um, what's your level of knowledge in terms of like, sp- like the sport uh, aspect? So mm. a big thing right now is kids and and teenagers are going into, you know, playing hockey. For instance, three sixty five. Right. Um, you know, like they're just focused on that and they're not playing other sports and getting other activities in to work on things like hand-eye and apparently it's like really affecting like level performance for a lot of people because all they know is how to play hockey and not gaining other skill sets do you know much about like that yes i took i took an entire course on uh, on coaching and we uh we were given our our level level something for um coaching uh and so what you're talking about is early um youth development stuff so there's there's a model that one of the professors at nipsing kind of developed and helped work with and basically um there's not a huge benefit to early specialization yeah right so you want them to get a variety of different skills play a lot of different sports exactly so like some of the major ones that are encouraged are martial arts gymnastics um and then whatever sport they're playing and then maybe a different type of sport um, just gymnastics and martial arts are discipline, movement skills, how to fall, kind of stuff like that, right? Flexibility. Flexibility, exactly. Yeah. All key things. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, I had that thought, but now I want to get into this. Like, how important is stretching? Because that is something I hate to do. Yeah, I'm not a big stretcher either. No. But, uh, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, flexibility uh, helps prevent injuries. In the long run. Is that really all it is, though? Or is there, like, much more to it? Like, some people swear by yoga. 
Yoga, uh, yoga is more than just flexibility. If you've ever done yoga, it's hard. <laughs> it's, really it definitely makes you uh, definitely makes you stronger. There was a video with like people, and it was like all these like intense like bodybuilders, and then like these like intense yoga people doing yoga. Yeah, and, like the guys couldn't do yeah half the stuff. It's hard, but um, I just remember reading somewhere like stretching is one of actually the most important things in in aging and and getting yes. older. Uh, and that, like, Stretching especially out. if you're physically active, but everyone should be doing stretches because it'll pay off when you're older and, you know, in yeah. so many different areas of your life. Exactly, right? So if you if you have a decreased range of motion, you're just going to be more susceptible to injury. Um, it's going to be more difficult for you to do stuff. So, like, imagine if you're old and you can barely touch your feet. Like, how are you going to put your shoes on? Yeah. Stuff like that. I never used to be able to touch my feet. Yeah, Until no, you can. Like two years ago. Hey, that's exciting. I know. It's a big step. Working on all these things. Yeah. And I'm trying to work on my back posture. Yeah, my posture is horrible. Because, like, I have, like, diagonal neck, like, it's from walking like a caveman because I'm sitting at my computer all the day on the phone. Working at a desk, yeah. That's why I sit like this so my neck is oh, yeah. neutral. I want to get one of those harness things. Have oh. you ever seen those? Where yes, you, like, I do. tie them up and it pulls your back. I don't recommend it too much. No? Ah. Just, well, I mean... I Maybe have to text you every time I want to make a health decision. <laughs> Riley, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, my my p- expert opinion, not that I'm an expert, is that <clears throat> you should work on strengthening your retractors in your shoulder. So work on back exercises and making holding that there, rather than using um, an assistive device to teach you how to hold your shoulders back. Just because you'll eventually depend. Okay, that on makes that. sense to me. Yeah. What are some great back exercises well, that you can do? If you're thinking about just pulling your shoulders back, just row, seated row. You can use a capel or you can do, um, have, do you know what a landmine new nope. press is? So it's it's that little thing in the corner of a gym that you put a, you can put a bar in and then it like you can push it up or like pull it up. I know I'm doing a terrible job of describing it to know, you right now. You have to describe it in audio for people listening. Uh, so so it's, it's one of the things that a, start it's on a, the ground. It's a metal triangle piece that would go in the corner of a room. And then on that metal triangle piece, there would be like a socket that you would be able to put an entire barbell into. So it would come out from the wall. And then you could put weights on it. And it would just be like a hinge, sort of like a lever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's and then you could one. do that to row as well. Um, other back exercises. Uh flies so you could do cable flies basically you just pull your arms out retract your shoulders together yeah yeah there's lots you look online well generally generally fitness stuff online is pretty good actually for exercises i think it's so sought after yes um like that is information that people are constantly seeking and Mm -hmm. looking and like we said being healthy and having an access to fitness and all those things are not accessible for a lot of people, which yeah. is super unfortunate. It is. Um, I mean, good for businesses that are trying to start low cost gyms, but you know, I, one of the, I don't want to say the name of the place, but one of the higher ones here in Ottawa, it's like $90 a month. And you're like, bro, it's a lot of money. And you get like, you, it's, seems totally worth it if you can afford it you get tons with it but yeah like 90 dollars a month man that's more than i get paid in a year <laughs> just kidding obviously joking but um yeah yeah man i don't know do you have any like fiery uh things you want to get off your chest here broadcast to the world <laughs> any fiery things no i don't think so um for the most part i'm pretty chill 
I don't get. You've too always fired been up. too smiley. Too smiley. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say too smiley. Too chill. Um, or playing hockey when you yeah. would bit soft. That's all of a sudden, but you'd get angry at these <laughs> random times. Yeah. Small bursts. <laughs> small bursts of anger. Uh, do you still watch hockey? I do. Still follow? Yeah, yeah I follow a little bit. Because you never <laughs> even really had a favorite team growing up. No, I didn't. Uh, I, do you have a I, favorite team I like now? the Penguins. I've liked the Penguins for a number of years you now. You just like them because they won the cup. Yeah, three times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Trade deadline. What do you What do you think is going to happen with the Senators? Let's talk a little, a little hockey here. What do I think is going to happen or what should happen? What Okay, what, do you, what should mm. happen if Riley Craig was running the... I am not an expert GM by any means, but I mean, I think they should try and keep their two top players right now and build around them at least like offer them a decent contract you need i mean they're obviously gonna have to rebuild but they need somebody to at least be decent here for people to want to play here <clears throat> yeah um well i heard duchene is sitting out yes i heard that as well um and i thought mark stone as well oh <clears throat> i didn't see that report but it could be true yeah i might be making it up um yeah because he was supposed to decide today yesterday today tomorrow on what he's going to do and whether ottawa will look for a market um one other thing and i got in an argument with my coworkers. this is now a couple times where they've let people develop into big stars and then let them go yeah so what's to say that they go through a rebuild and shabbat and kachuk and willannon and batherson white <laughs> white and formanton brown all get great yeah. and then they want money and then they're they like well okay we gotta do it them. again yeah. uh we gotta start over because they want money and we don't want to pay people like to me it just seems like an endless cycle of mediocrity yeah <clears throat> i mean they haven't had a good run since 07 right that was pretty much yeah they had a couple really good teams in the early 2000s yeah but they would always lose to the leafs in the first round yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah they went to the cup and then they had one year and you're like wow they're they're almost there like a, the team gelled you think everything's good yeah. and then last year was a absolute disaster i guess the year before that they went to the yeah conference like one finals goal, yeah. one goal to the stanley cup that's what i mean yeah. and everything seemed great and everyone was playing well and it looked like the team had chemistry and then all yep. of a sudden not man <laughs> yeah like melnick coming out with the comments like then the the bullying scandal this year has definitely been rough yeah i don't envy those fans and living in ottawa it's funny and working in media in ottawa is mm. it's actually hilarious <laughs> i get a kick it's definitely entertaining i don't know if sure. people want to know this but when you comment on a brand's page whether that be a news organization a buzzfeed publication there are people who read those comments and laugh absolutely die laughing we will like oh look what this person said and like everyone like runs in and we like read yeah. like ah! like like people laugh like at people who say these like yeah nonsense things on on comment threads and like we just kind of make fun of it yep. like what is this person doing especially like those global news posts or <laughs> you know you get into like the the things about politics and stuff and that's just like like trudeau wishes everyone a merry christmas and then it's just like isis and conservatives blah 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 and it's just too fun. Don't do that, people. Yeah, the don't, comment be, section don't be that is person. Bad news bears. You just read and laugh like um, everyone else. <laughs> uh, who do you think, you know, who's going to make the biggest splash then in, in the trade? Oh, that is a hard question. Trade deadline's Monday? 
It's Monday. It's Monday. And I know there's like you know people are Panarin, saying. I think Panarin's gone. I know that John Tortorella came out and <laughs> said some horrible things. Uh, shit his pants. Shit his pants. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I so think Panarin. I think Panarin is done with Columbus. I don't really blame him. Sounds like a terrible place to play. Um, he probably misses Chicago playing with Patrick yeah, Kane yeah, right yeah. now because Kane's on an absolute tear. Yeah. Um, I know Winnipeg said they were really after Stone. Apparently, Winnipeg and Nashville he, might be. He's a Winnipeg Shane. native too, so if he goes there, he's never coming back. Who, if you were to pick right now, who do you think is gonna win? Like, who's who's gonna win the race for Stone and Duchesne? Not Ottawa. I think Ottawa Stein's Stone. I would like that. I mean, I, I think I think he wants to stay. I think they're just fighting over uh, a couple million dollars somewhere. Well, they're fighting over like signing bonus and structure of the contract, not right. in terms of money. Right. Because you see people like Tavares and Matthews get like seventeen million dollars signing bonus yeah, with right? a six hundred thousand dollars salary. Yeah, salary. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, mm. I want that." And, that sounds nice, right? Uh, I mean, Melnick, I don't think can afford that, and no, um, <clears throat> you know. And then uh, it bugs me like all the teams, like you, you have the same teams always in it, and you're like, "How?" So, for instance, my favorite team's Detroit. And somehow they're up against the cap, and they have no cap room to do shit. Yeah. But and you're like, you suck, and we're, we're you don't even really have that many good players. But right. then it's like Tampa Bay is in on <laughs> on Duchesne, and you're like, how 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 can you they have everybody? Him? I don't yeah. understand. What else do you? I'm need? like looking through Cap Friendly, which is an amazing resource if anyone's interested in the numbers of hockey and how things are structured and deals and cap room and all that stuff. And I'm like going through. I'm like comparing no everything. I'm like, what? Are you... Where are How they getting is all this Detroit, money? Like <laughs> at the cap, and somehow Pittsburgh, yeah. who's already won three cups in the past ten years, has room for more players. I don't understand. It makes no sense. I mean, Pittsburgh's on the down. Obviously, <clears throat> they still have a lot of ton, like a lot of talent, but um, it's hard to be good for a long time. Yeah, I mean, Kessel, Malkin, Crosby—they're all getting older. Not that they're slowing down in any means, yeah. but like they're gonna be up for contract again and. You know, it's hard to be competitive in so long when you kind of only have so much room, like when you have deals where you lock so much money into a handful of players. Yeah. You really rely, and P- Pittsburgh was really lucky with players like Rust and Gensel and... Uh, Shiri for, for a bit of a time, yeah. yeah. They had a lot of depth without a, like a big payout for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of these rookies who played in the HL all of a sudden coming up and... Matt Murray coming up and winning up a cup yeah, in his like, rookie season. He's been terrible this year, but I mean, yeah. I think he's dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah, injury problems and stuff like that. So Yeah, yeah they were lucky. I mean, but they had the depth. on that. Yeah, absolutely. On people who you've never heard of all of a sudden be... Disgusting. And yeah, putting up points yeah. and producing... Um, but then you have teams like Tampa that just seem to be able to buy most of their team and somehow fit it all in. Yeah, I mean, I think I would take a pay cut to win a Stanley Cup. So would I. Like, yeah, honestly, I'd, like if I'd I go from a, nine million to seven million or nine million to five million to plan a team yeah, that was going to win a cup like, for five years. I know McDavid did that to an extent, but yeah, if I was like someone like Edmonton. Matthews, I would be like, listen, I'll do ten million to free up more money for Mitch Marner or somebody else yeah. John Tavares yeah just to get you that yeah. extra player or two just to one more depth guy help fill out the team yeah um, as sure. opposed to all the money being locked up on me and you know I got it like human nature is for greed and make as much money as you can and these these guys could lose their career at any moment and yeah. you know they're only this financially viable for a certain amount of time in their life so you want to yeah. try to bank as much as you can yeah 
I mean, I think a lot of players are coming out of college now, though. I, I know, like, the junior leagues were big for a long time, but I'm hearing more and more first-round draft picks are college players, like Boston College and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. They're, that's what the Northeastern yeah. uh, universities have that. Mm-hmm. I know they're putting out coaches and stuff, too. That's kind of stopped. But yeah. um, <laughs> people are walking by the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a, it's I would totally take a pay cut for a cup. Yeah, for the betterment of yeah, team player. For the whole. Yeah. For sure. Like that's Definitely. what something and I don't know if that's just inherently my nature or if that's what most people say they would do until, yeah, the, until the, money. the money. And then they're yeah. like I'll give you 17 million dollars. Like screw the team, man. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm set for life. Who yeah, cares? Yeah. So, I don't know, man, but I I, I love this time of year. It, it's crazy and falling on Twitter and seeing all these rumors yeah. it's i mean i don't envy the 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 players involved because you're having people find out things on the internet rather than <laughs> yeah. through the your boss right like could you imagine like coming into work one day and just being like oh you don't work here anymore yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yo twitter says you're fired and you're like look at your boss you're like yo what twitter says like, oh yeah uh that wasn't supposed to be released till tomorrow but yeah that's uh, tough that is a tough tough thing um you that's- know and there was a piece, uh, I believe it was in The Athletic, where they were talking about the human nature of... Uh, it was Mike McKenna, because he he was with the Senators, and he was in Vancouver for, like, a day, put on waivers and claimed by Philly, and her, uh, his wife put out, like, a tweet or something, just being like, you know, like, people have to find, you know, a new place to live, daycare, or, am I going to see my family, or am I just going to live here while they live somewhere else for the season? Yeah. Um, the emotional impact that it puts on players... Uh, at the, that's a big problem I have with society in general is whether it's politicians, professional sports players, people of personality, like you said, people on Instagram, like yeah. we don't know what they're going through. Like everyone is a human yeah. in some aspect. People forget that. And just because they're in the news all the time or we see their name all the time does not make anything less. You can't be a piece of shit. To a struggle yeah. for them. You can still be depressed with seventeen million dollars in your bank account. Yeah, like that's that's life. But you see it so much, and people criticizing it, and yeah. getting all over people, and you're like, "Yo, yeah, money doesn't make you happy all the time." No, I mean it helps you live, that's for sure. But it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it helps, but it won't always fulfill you yeah. for sure. Um, on that note, uh, I have two things that I want to talk about. Ooh, uh, yeah, sparked a little fire. Uh, okay. So the first one is I, I don't know if you've ever listened to. Uh, the podcast Radio Lab. No, I've heard great things. Though. It is amazing. I recommend it. Yeah, okay. Um, they did one uh, about John Scott. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? So people may, might have forgot who John Scott Made is. Made fun of him when he was the NHL enforcer and he got yeah. voted in so by the fans. So the reason that he ended up getting voted in to be um, an all-star was a, a, a media guy. He made a comment or a tweet or a post or something like that saying John Scott for, for the all-star game mm-hmm. as a joke. And it took People off. It, it took off, and he ended up going. And it cost him his. He like his. It ended his career. Yeah, the NHL was pissed. That <laughs> the NHL was pissed that he wasn't going to back out of the All Star game, and it ended his career. They traded him to right. Mont- traded him to Montreal, and then he went immediately to I believe Nova Scotia, and yeah. he never played again in the NHL. Yeah, because they threw him on waivers or something as soon as they traded him. Immediately and was would make him ineligible for the All Star game or something. That's why he wore the. There's a new. The brand jersey. There's a new rule too. Um, 
after that all-star game that they made called the John Scott rule, basically, that <sighs> that people have to be in the NHL to play in the all-star game. But but the point I was going with there uh, was you were talking about people living. Like, him and his wife had just bought a house. I think he was playing in Arizona. I can't remember. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Arizona. And uh, before he got traded, and they literally just bought a house, and he had to get on a plane and move to Montreal. And people were making fun of and then, him and yeah. chirping him and yeah. getting all over it. And then he scored two goals and won MVP. So, I mean, that was a great story. Like, that's what sports needs, not this I did political a... crap of, you know, Don Cherry calling people jerks. Yeah. Like, Carolina. Like, we need more fun. More fun. Yeah, more fun in hockey. Um, also on that, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. No. Uh, when I was in college... Uh, <laughs> We were doing a project, and we had to do it on someone who exemplified leadership. And we were going to do Nelson Mandela because he's a great, easy choice. Um, but then another group went before us, and they did the same project as us. So we tried mm. to switch on the fly, and we picked John Scott because this was all happening around that time. So oh, okay. we did. A, I ended up doing a presentation on John Scott and like how uh, how his life changed in like basically what a month. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty drastically. And the second note that I wanted to make on you talking about people being people is um, the World Juniors. Oh, yeah. So this is great. <laughs> and I'll get you a point. Your point. Uh, we had Mikey DiPietro in. Yes. Um, and he came in. This and, was my point. Yeah. yeah. I sat with him for an hour. Right. So while he, and I'm not going to talk about too much about what we, we talked about off the air and just man, off man the to record. man and stuff. Yeah, yeah. off the record. These kids They're are kids. kids. They yeah. are 18 and 19 years old. They seem like adults because of the world stage they're on and how big they are, but yeah, we're, um, we're 10 years older than them. And the uh, big thing is, you remember what we were like when we were 18 and 19. We, we were, thought we were hot shit. We thought we knew everything. We knew nothing. I look back, I'm like, damn, that guy was an idiot. Yeah. Um, these kids do irrational things. I mean, it's science. The frontal lobe, which... Not developed until yeah, and that like navigates and controls like emotions and rational thought and understanding um, uh, understanding consequences. Yeah, you know, when I was eighteen, I went in an egging spree around town and ended up nailing one of our like good family friends' houses like an idiot. But you don't think about that. You're like, oh, I'm having fun with my friends. Yeah, these kids literally are thrown into this giant stage and asked to handle themselves with the utmost professionalism, um, with, you know, dignity and respect. And I think they all do a damn fine job of what they do. And then you have fucking 40 year old Joe sitting on his couch with a fucking beer in his hand, mustard on his shirt. Yeah. Being like, you should die, you stupid kid from Quebec. I'm like, are you... Oh, because you missed a shootout? Oh, are oh you no. Are joking yeah. me? It's the end of the world. Like, those people are disgusting. Stay off the internet if you can't just... <laughs> and I, I've tried to... I've given this way more thought than it definitely merits. <laughs> but, like, I'm trying to understand why people take these points of views on taking it out on people they don't know. And I think it's, like, it truly is, like... I'm not a psychologist by any stretch, but they are taking out parts of their insecurities. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Through this outlet of a new cycle or on a, pro- a prominent figure, um, 
professional sports player, non-professional sports player, someone in the media, you know, they're taking out their, I had a shitty day, my boss hates me, my wife's going to leave me, my dog won't even look at me. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> All that stuff. And even with some of the stuff, like, you know, that's on the most extreme, like, pieces of shit on you know, that. But, like, even some of these people, which I've complained about a lot, these people on the left and the social justice warriors, trying to understand them and their insecurities and why they're projecting so much hate in what they're calling equality and, and pursuit of, you mm-hmm. know, what's just. Yeah. But they're spewing hate. But then I'm trying to, like, okay, what are they insecure about? Yeah. You know, is it they, they don't have friends, they don't have meaningful relationships. They, they don't have people that they can have rational discussions with yeah. about this. So they're just on Twitter typing in caps yeah. lock like all their anger's exploding. Everybody the is racist. Like you're including, like what? including you. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. you're like pardon me. Anyways. I think well, I mean I, my guess would be they peaked in high school and they live vicariously through young kids on TV and when they disappoint you. For first, that spectrum for sure, but perhaps. then I think a lot of it is people who were nothing yeah. or were <laughs> bullied or were yeah were told they were nothing because they yeah like people know. who were like truly did not have a good experience the endless in cycle. high school and college or post-secondary and then their jobs and their relationships like I, I just yeah they might and i'm painting a wide brush but yeah i think no matter where you look um there is a reason all of these things are not inherited by nature for the most part there are certain aspects of our biology that maybe help yeah push us in certain directions like competitiveness and sense of unity and community and all that stuff for sure but these are all learnt behaviors i would absolutely agree with you on nature versus nurture is not there's no yeah one or the other it's both yeah for sure like we all have these certain things that make us do what we do as humans yeah but for sure like you're not born inherently racist. No, like you're not just absolutely not. Yeah, you, like no. that. That comes from whatever. Being, like your, your hearing, parents hearing that it's okay to be racist. Yeah, or yeah. and you're not brought up. You know, like this is all inherited by yeah, learned. You're behavior. not brought up really hating anything except like maybe vegetables. Yeah, or like baths. I don't, whatever um, kids hate. And to go after people that just they don't even understand the magnitude of what they're being put into. And it's unfortunate and get some really, I mean, that, that guy, Mikey DiPietro, he, I think he's going to have a great NHL career as a goalie, but that kid is more mature than I am. And I'm seven years older than him. Like that guy had a wicked head and a wicked perspective. And for us as a society and as a sports industry and culture to ask him to be of that at that age, or any of these players at that age is is baffling. It's a big ask. Yeah. And then when they make a mistake, everyone jumps on them. Yeah, just one. Like, tear I'm, up his career. I don't even really know that anyone made a mistake. He missed a penalty yeah. shot. It's not a big deal. Um, it sucks, obviously. Well, for instance, Josh Hosang. Uh, yep. You know, I know who would, Josh Hosang. You know, um, or uh, Tyler Sagan. Like all these people who were, you know kind of cast aside in certain ways because of poor attitude and right and all this stuff these these, they're 18 19 20 21 like yeah they're not even 25 and then they're being given lots of money too yeah yeah, yeah. and so you're asking them to be the 
perfect human, yeah. a role model, people kids can look up to, putting all these pressures. Can't be, can't be perfect all the time, yeah. especially if you're in the spotlight so much. And so many of these people, like sports players, like handle it with absolute dignity and grace and professionalism. And it's astounding that they can put up with the shit that they do and still have this positive message to them about them. And yeah, like I don't understand it. And yeah, we it's impressive. All need to stop being dicks to one another, especially on the internet. Because that does nothing. No. Anyways, uh, we should wrap this up. Looking forward to seeing where your career and where your research takes you. Because I will be old with carpal tunnel one day. And I'm hoping <laughs> Dr. Riley Craig can nurture me back to health with his research. We'll see. We'll see if I'm a doctor one day. Um, you don't have any publishings or anything right now anywhere you're putting out work or nothing yet nothing yet okay i'm starting a study in the summer okay i don't know if it's published going to be published or if we're going to try and publish it but it's happening regardless okay interesting um where can people follow you if you ever choose to throw that stuff out (laughs) you can follow me if you'd like at riley.e.craig on for instagram uh twitter i don't really tweet so there's no point that's probably it. Yeah, you kind of just are there for the likes. Yeah, I read I read Twitter. I don't tweet. Oh, okay, that's okay. You're not as opinionated as me. I prefer to keep my opinions to myself. I think I'm generally <laughs> too on the fence to express opinions. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I like both sides of arguments sometimes. I mean, there's certain ones that I'm obviously on one side or the other, like racism. Of course. There's things <laughs> but, we just know are bad. Yeah. It's like I have no. common sense most of the yeah. time, but yeah, no he, no plugs. No plugs, really. Hating is bad. Hating is um, bad, yeah. I think that's a good perspective, though. Uh, more people should be open to both sides of the argument, even if it's both polarizing sections from, yeah, I'm completely against, or like, as a person speaking, like, I'm super racist, I hate this group of people. Yeah, probably still not going to listen to that, but I get your point. I, I think not to give them credit, but to hear where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Listen, to listen to the Okay, so this is your perspective. Uh, I disagree, my kind sir. And yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry, but you're this wrong. is why. Yes. But again, trying to understand what made them this way. I will listen to an argument every if, time. I mean, if you just cast hate at somebody you already hates, it's just going to create more friction. Yeah, agreed. It's the same thing. It's, I'm not saying you legitimize it, but yes, you listen. just. And maybe you can find something in their answer or their comment, and you're like, that makes oh, sense. so you brought up with really racist parents and so it's blah, blah, blah. Fault. So let's have a chat and see if we can get help. And you know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. it's all about. It's not dismissing anyone because of anything. It's you don't have to agree or legitimize it or publish it as fact. Right. You just you listen. And I think it's a very nuanced approach. Thank you. That I try to have, even though I lean certain ways. You're allowed, you're like. allowed to lean certain but ways. But I will listen. I will listen yeah. to anybody speak. I'm a, I'm a logical thinker. If you can present me with facts founded in either facts. science or proof that yeah. repeat, like things that have been repeated, I will listen and you have my attention. Yeah. But, and I always reserve the right to change my opinion on something based on evidence. Right. Um, and I, like I to agree say that, that. Even though I'm very passionate you about mental my mind. health and stuff. And I think I know the science, and I listened and I researched. But if all of a sudden one day it was all debunked, and that was legit science, I'd be like, "Well, okay, like this is fact." Well, that sucks then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everything I've just been doing is yeah. a lie. But 
maybe it'll happen. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you can follow us uh, at Life and Red Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, the Life and Red Pod, and you can go to www.lifeinredpodcast.com. Riley Craig, thank you so much for joining me and catching up. It was great to see you, man. Great to see you too. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.